Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. I want to first start out by saying that this is an episode that is not for small ears. What we're going to be talking about today can and actually should be discussed with your children. In fact, that's the whole point of our discussion today. But we'd encourage you to listen in by yourself in order to be equipped to have those one-on-one conversations with your kids. We're going to be using some key terms and perhaps even words that could be termed graphic to some, and we'd hate to inadvertently introduce them to your kids before you're ready for that. So if your kids are around, just hit pause on your listening device and either head on into another room to finish the episode or come at it when you have a few kid-free moments. Today we're going to be talking about porn. You heard me correctly. We're talking about P-O-R-N and more specifically about how to warn your kids about the harmful effects of it. Let's be honest, nobody wants to talk about porn, but we have to moms, we must. We hold digital devils in our pockets and it's this porn that sits in our our phones and on our devices is so prevalent and pervasive. It's even unlike the playboy of yesterday because it's ever present. It can actually be manipulated to a person's specific sexual taste. Some medical and psychological professionals are calling the porn addiction the number one public health crisis of this generation. And it is an addiction, moms. There's evidence to suggest that porn works on the brain in the same way that cocaine does. It changes the neurobiology of the brain. And as with all addictions, the porn addict has to seek out more and more of that stimulus in order to get those same results. Eventually, those neuropathways get rewired so that the reward system of the brain gets linked to porn and not sex. Our bodies were just not designed to have that kind of sustained dopamine level that constant stimuli produce. And the medical community is still kind of reeling and is not sure what the long-lasting damage will be to all this constant invasion of porn that we have, but they do know this, that erectile dysfunction is at an unprecedented high in men under the age of 40, and that that has been directly linked to the overwhelming availability of porn. Today on the podcast, September and I have a special guest with us, author Kristen A. Jensen, and she's here joining us to give us some help and some tools to have some hard conversations with our kids in order to protect them from porn. The lovely Kate isn't with us today, but she will be joining us on our next episode. Let me just introduce you to Kristen. She's the author of the Good Pictures, Bad Pictures series. It's a read-aloud series of books, including the best-selling Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn-Proofing Today's Young Kids, and also Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior, A Simple Plan to Protect Young Minds. She's the founder of protectyoungminds.org, a website dedicated to helping parents empower their kids 
to resist and reject pornography. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's wonderful to be here with you, Jamie. Thank you so much for inviting me. What a brave woman you are. Why did you want to write about pornography to begin with? <laughs> I ask myself that question almost every day. <laughs> well, <clears throat> this, is, this is what happened. I never really wanted to do this. It was not part of my life plan. But uh, one evening, I got a call from uh, a new friend, and she told me this tragic tale of how her 17-year-old uh, was caught molesting his younger brothers and sisters, and porn was involved. And since then, I found out that porn is fueling a very disturbing rise uh, in child-on-child -child harmful sexual behavior. So... I went to bed that night, woke up the next morning, and just felt compelled to find a resource because she had many young children, and I could see that children were being sexualized at a very young age through porn. So uh, I looked for a book because I have this idea that there's a book to solve every problem, and um, I couldn't find one. So I just had this crazy idea that I should write one myself. So that's how I got started writing Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And then I had so many parents ask me for a younger version that was simpler, that could be read to a three-year-old. Um, and that's when I wrote that. So we've got the two books. They're read-aloud books. And they really help parents begin this conversation in a very comfortable way. In fact, if you go on Amazon and you look at the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reviews, you can see that's one of the main things is that it was just so easy and so comfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm a big advocate that books can say the hard things that are sometimes hard for us parents to say, but three years old. So I'm thinking of some three-year-olds that I know and it just breaks my heart that a parent would even have to have that discussion with a child that young, but you're saying that's necessary. What do you think is the good or right age to begin talking to a child about pornography? Well, it's the age in which a child has any access to the internet. Mm. And for most kids, I'd say that probably is three. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Two or three even. So, uh, you know, and we, you don't have to give them, you're not going to give them all of what pornography is, right? You're not going to explain the deviant darkness of it. You're simply going to give them enough information so that they know, so that they recognize it and know what to do when they see it. And so you don't have to actually give them a whole lot of information. Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Jr. gives a simple definition of what a bad picture is. And then it teaches children that these kinds of pictures can be harmful. It's like picture poison. And then third, it gives kids a plan, you know, what to do. So that's what kids need at the beginning is a definition, a warning, and a plan. And both of these books accomplish those three goals of helping children recognize what it is and then um, having a reason to reject it, knowing that it's harmful, and then a plan, knowing exactly what to do when they see it. 
So September, we recently had an episode talking about digital technology and, and I don't currently have a three-year-old. My youngest is seven and I know you don't currently have a three-year-old, but you do have grandkids in that age demographic. How does that make you feel when you think about your three-year-olds needing to um, perhaps be read a book about pornography? And, and as the grandma, would you, would you read this book to your grandkids? Yeah, actually, as we were just discussing this and I was thinking about my grandchildren and I thought, you know, I think I'm going to get on here and actually order the junior book for my daughter and my son to use with their little ones when they feel ready to, because they're probably not aware of this book, that this is accessible to them and to help them with parents. Because, um, you know, this book has beautiful watercolors. And I know that the illustrator also had like a fun feature inside of it to find hidden pictures. So I think it's like a gentle way for them to expose their kids. I mean, I have to say, I'm sad that we have to think about this, that we have to prepare and have a plan. But I think in this generation, it would be foolish of us to not, um, our family actually has the good pictures, bad pictures, uh, original book that you wrote, Kristen. And I can remember, uh, the first time we sat down with that book, our youngest at that point was six. And it was a little, um, uncomfortable for my husband and I, because we talk about things very openly in our home, but we don't normally use words like pornography and things like that. But the uncomfortableness moved into a really good conversation and opened up some things that they, our kids were uncomfortable with that we didn't even know about. And, and we're good open communicators. So um, I really like the fact that these books, these resources that you've written, Kristen, and you, I know you've said this, are a proactive attempt or a proactive way for us to empower our kids with their first internal filter that goes with them wherever they go. Like that is key. And that's what we try to do in our homes. Um, Jamie, you know, you and I do that, but I think that's key. As far as three, I, you know, I know my, my daughter and my son are really um, careful what they let their kids see on screens, but I think we're going to talk about that, how sometimes we can't control that and, and those things are uncontrollable. So preparing them ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And I can remember back even 15 years ago with my first, and I feel like, you know, the pornography industry has just uh, ballooned even since then. But I can remember when she was five, having some very basic discussions with her about um, her body and sexuality in order that some of those conversations can could start happening at that young age where they're just... Um, naive enough to accept discussions and not feel weirded out about them. And so then that became a continual conversation. So that now that my kids are in their teens, it's not awkward. It's not uncomfortable because we started it at the age where they were so trusting and, and could open up very boldly about their thoughts and what, um, what they were learning about those from mom and dad. And, and to be honest, as a mom, I want to be the one to introduce my kids to those hard conversations so that I can filter all of that through our biblical lens, as opposed to waiting and not discussing it with them and then having somebody else, you know, the kid down the street, introduce it in a way that is harmful and hurtful to them. Yeah. I, I like to say hashtag sooner is safer. 
Uh, You know, when you think about your, your little children, and as soon as they get walking, you teach them to not run out into the street, to hold mommy's hand or daddy's hand, um, to be careful. And, you know, when we think about letting our kids onto the big super highway of the internet, we need to do the same thing. We need to give them some warnings and some skills so that they know how to navigate the digital world that they live in. And it's a wonderful world. There are many good things. There are many wonderful things. And I think we should point those out. Uh, we shouldn't, you know, this is the this is the generation, this is the time that our children are living in and that they're growing up in. And I, I like to be positive about it, but I also like to be a realist and to, um, but I get it, you know, parents, this is scary and we don't know how to begin. And so that's why the books are helpful because lots of parents, they don't know what to say, like how much to say. They're afraid that if they open this conversation that their kids will be more prone to seek it out. Let me tell you, you cannot make your child more curious than the current world <laughs> around them is. Um, you cannot make them more curious. And um, the best way is to kind of inoculate them, get in there first and say, okay, there's this thing out there. It's called bad pictures, it's called pornography. And um, this is why, you know, this is what it is. And this is why it's harmful. And this is why you should, you know, turn away. And this is exactly what you should do when you see it. And uh, when we do that, as you said, it, when we do it when they're young, it's just normalized. You know, they just accept it. Like, oh, okay, this is just one more thing mom's, you know, kind of uh, warning me about. Just like a lot of other things she warns me about. And it's just one more thing. And uh, they're not getting, you know, we're setting the context. They're not seeing the whole big bad horribleness of it. And we don't want them to see that until they're, you know, I mean, we don't want them to know that when they're young, but, and they don't need to, they just need a definition, a warning and a plan when they're very young. And then as they grow older, we can keep having those conversations and teach them more and more about, you know, pornography and why it's bad, why it's wrong and, you know, why it's harmful. I love that analogy of, you know, warning your kids about holding your hand when you cross the street before you actually cross the street. And I think it's it's good for us as parents to think in terms of those real practicalities um, when it comes to things like pornography too, to be proactive in in having those discussions before they are even needed. So um, September, you have read the original book. I'm just curious, Kristen, how is this new book, the junior version, different than the one September has read? And I am familiar with that book. I've skimmed it, but I have not read it. Um, I'm going to dive deeper into it, I know, after yeah. this episode. <laughs> well, there are a lot fewer words. <laughs> so the original book talks about addiction, talks about, you know, the thinking brain and the feeling brain, and it really boils down the process of addiction. I mean, I've had several uh, therapists contact me and say, I use this for my adult uh, clients because it, it's so simple, right? It's easy to grasp. And so I love the fact that our kids can be armed with a knowledge about the process of addiction. Now, of course, in our book, 
it's applied to pornography, but basically the process of addiction in the brain is the same, whether you're taking the substance in through your veins, through your mouth, or through your eyes. It's all the same process of addiction. Um, so the older book goes into more detail. A lot of parents will read it one chapter at a time, and now we have discussion questions after each chapter. And so it's a really great learning tool. This junior book is just so much fewer words. It's, it's meant for young children. Um, as September mentioned, we have these hidden cameras. There are 19 hidden cameras, and the kids love to look for them and find them in the pictures. Um, but basically, it follows the same formula. It's a definition. So the definition that we give is um, pornography is uh, pictures, videos, cartoons of people with little or no clothing on that focuses on the private parts of the body that we keep covered with a swimsuit. And so that's the basic definition that I use in both books. And then the junior one just goes on to talk about, um, kind of use the analogy of poison, right? There's lots of, you know, that Mr. Yucky sticker that you can put on the dishwashing soap and the things that you don't want your kids to get into. Well, um, we kind of use that analogy to say, hey, they're, they're picture poisons too. And you don't want to put these in your brain but we also don't want to shame children. So we make a point of saying, if you've seen a bad picture, that doesn't make you a bad kid. Here's something good you can do when you see a bad picture, turn, run, and tell. So we have the turn, run, and tell um, plan to uh, help kids know what to do, you know, right the moment that they see it, so turn away from it, run and find a trusted adult, tell them what you saw, and, um, if kids learn to do that, then it opens up the conversations and there's no secrecy. Um, most kids, at least from everything I've read and the studies I've seen, most kids will not go to their parents and tell them that they've seen pornography. Um, one mother told me that she was uh, going to pick up her kids. They were at a play date at a friend's house. And when she drove up, she saw her daughter's looking at a smartphone with the friend and when they got in the car she said what were you what was she showing you you know what were you looking at they looked at each other and they said oh she was just showing us a my little pony video but later on months later when uh, this mom read good pictures bad pictures to her girls they came forward and they said mom we lied we it wasn't a My Little Pony video. She showed us pornography. And um, what this mother said is they lied because they didn't have the vocabulary. They didn't know even how. They felt a sense of shame, but they didn't know even how to describe it or what to say, how to say it. And she hadn't opened up that conversation. She hadn't given them permission, in essence, to come and talk to her about those things. And so I feel like um, it's such a burden that we lift from our children when we open this conversation because they will see it. They're, they're, they will see it. They're, it's like air pollution. I mean, they will see something. Some child somewhere is going to have a smartphone and kids 
just think it's, you know, novel and they think it's exciting and they, th oh my gosh, look at this. So um, if I could give you one more story, I had a mom post on Facebook that she had read Good Pictures, Bad Pictures uh, to her nine-year-old boy and he went to school and a few days later, one of his classmates showed him pornography on a smartphone during recess. And this boy, you know, he knew what it was. He recognized it. He came home. He told his mom. And he said to his mom, I was scared, but I knew what to do. I was scared, but I knew what to do. I mean, what a gift we give our kids yes, when right. we prepare them uh, to to refuse and to reject and to know exactly what to do. And, and also when we become their allies, right? Um, when we are there to mentor them and help them and talk things through. Yes, absolutely. That's so powerful. You said so many great things that I want to unpack several of them before we even move onward. I do want to say that I have read the junior version. So moms, if you're out there and you're a little nervous about grabbing this book, because you know, if you're like me, you're thinking, is this going to open some Pandora's box? Am I going to fall down some rabbit hole that I cannot dig myself out of? Just rest assured, it is a very gentle version, just like Kristen is, is, has been saying a very gentle version that just gives your child some vocabulary and some very specific action tools to do when they inadvertently stumble upon pornography or maybe they're introduced to it by a friend. Because here's the thing, moms, you can set all kinds of screen limitations on your phone at home. But the moment your child goes out the door, you can't have such a tight fist on those screens. I remember, similar to the story that Kristen was telling, I remember coming out of the church sanctuary one Sunday on my way down the hall to get my, to pick up my boys from Sunday school. And one of them was sitting out in the hall already. He'd already been dismissed by his teacher. His entire class had been. And he and a bunch of boys were gathered around a tablet that one of the boys had brought to church. Now, it just so happens that in this particular story, they were playing a video game. So it was a very benign situation. Thank the Lord. But what if they hadn't been? What if it was something else they were looking at? I wasn't there. And yet in having some of these conversations with my sons ahead of time, I'm preparing them to know what to do if one of their friends show them something that they shouldn't be seeing. The other thing you said, Kristen, is um, you alluded to the fact that, you know, in that one story where the, the little girls had lied to their mom about what they were looking at because they didn't have the vocabulary, but also because they felt perhaps a sense of shame. And I think that that's very key in all of it, this, that there is something God wired in all of us to know this isn't right. There's something, um, for lack of a better way to say it, dirty about what I'm looking at. And there is a sense of shame that we have and should have when looking at porn. And so I can imagine that as, as kids either stumble upon it, maybe doing just a, a real innocent Google search of something, or maybe they're shown it by a friend, I can imagine there, there's a little bit of guilt and shame that comes along with it. And then they're embarrassed and also fearful that they're gonna get in trouble. 
by yep. coming out. But if you have those conversations early, if you, like you said, inoculate them, then they'll know that mom and dad are a safe place and I can bring this up with them. I just love that. September, did you have anything to add before we move on? Yeah, I do. I do want to just, Kristen, and we don't want to give too much of your book away because it's such a gem to have in hands, but in the junior version of your book, can you tell us a little bit more about the simple three-step um, turn, run, and tell, you know, just in what ages that might be appropriate for, um, I love that. It's just so, yeah, I think it's very powerful. simple, easy yeah. to remember. Very simple. So we, um, yeah, it's funny how turn, run, and tell seems so simple. It took us a while to come up with that. <laughs> but, um, and, and the other thing I think you can also rest assured is that I have tested this so many dozens and dozens and dozens of parents have gotten feedback. And I think that that's why they just work so well. But as far as the turn, run, and tell plan, you know, turn away from the picture because the longer you look at a picture, you know, the more it's kind of burned into your brain, but turn, turn away. And we have these little practice, you know, because it's always good. Children learn when they can use more of their senses, right? They learn better. So we have these little um, sticky notes that give additional questions and also directions. So have your child practice kind of running away, you know, or turning away and then uh, running away um, and then, you know, telling somebody. So turn around and tell is really pretty simple. In the older book, we have the can-do plan, and that is sim similar. So C is uh, close your eyes, A is always tell a trusted adult, and N is name it when you see it. And there's actually a lot of neuro, you know, science behind why you do those things, especially naming it. Um, it gives your brain more power to reject it when you name something, when you label it. But then in both books now, we have this other part. What happens when a child remembers? So let's say they've done everything you've told them to do. And now those shocking images keep coming back and pestering them and tempting them really to look for more. Um, because children, when they see pornography, they often are hit with two opposite feelings. One is maybe intense curiosity, and two may be shame, or um, they may be, um, you know, repulsed by it, depending on what they're seeing. And as you said in the beginning, there's extraordinarily deviant um, pornography out there. So, um, the, these, these images are very shocking and they stay in the brain. The brain is designed to remember things uh, like that. So what do they do? In both books, we have kind of a plan uh, back in, in, the, in the junior book. It's in the back of the book for in the tips for your parents and caregivers section. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a way to help kids forget. So I'm making air quotes, <laughs> forget. Um, an image because you know it, you really can't forget them, but you can minimize them through a neurological process. It's kind of like a rewiring process um, that uh, that you can teach your child to do. And I believe this is a really important cognitive skill that every child um, 
every child should learn. So it's, it's, um, it's really important to teach children not only what to do when they see it, but what to do afterwards when those memories, you know, keep coming back and they want to forget them. Yeah. And we've actually talked about that, Kristen, here on our podcast in light of moms, when we're, when we're falling prey or easily susceptible to even wrong thinking, we can speak truth to ourselves in order that we might believe it and live it out and walk it out. So it's definitely a skill to pass on to your kids. So in thinking about some moms who might be listening to this episode today, Kristen, I think that there's probably going to be two camps of moms. On the one hand, we'll have the moms who are encouraged by this and um, propelled to grab your books and sit down with their kids and have some of those hard conversations. And on the other hand, we'll have the moms who won't. And that won't comes, I think, from two different um, factors. One, I think that there's definitely a camp of moms, and, and I can wholeheartedly admit that I've been in this camp many times, where I'm just going to stick my head in the sand and pretend that it doesn't exist, and then I don't have to deal with it. Like, I have screen controls, and we have rules in our house, and therefore my kids won't ever fall prey to pornography, the end. And then there's the other moms um, who maybe are just sitting paralyzed in fear because this is, this is frightful. This is disturbing um, what our kids are being exposed to. And in, in, it feels like it's completely out of our control. And, and we could easily become paralyzed and not know how to move forward. What can you say to the mom um, who is is sitting in one of those two places, either very fearful or just wants to ignore it altogether. And, and also, why do you think it is so hard for us as moms to want to tackle this topic of pornography? Yeah. Oh, all great questions. Yes. And I totally get it why moms are hesitant or worried or, or in fear. Um, well, I think we want to, first of all, we want to keep our children innocent as long as possible. We want to give them a childhood. But what I say is you're actually helping your child keep their innocence longer if you warn them. And um, for example, there was a, a little girl, 11-year-old girl with her friend on a school bus, which I say every school bus in America is a triple X theater because of, you know, mobile devices. Um, they were sitting, they had gone on a, uh, a trip, you know, a field trip and this boy comes back. He has a smartphone. He goes, look at this. Well, one girl had been warned. Her mom is actually one of our beta readers for the good pictures, bad pictures. And the other girl wasn't. Well, the one girl that had been warned, she turned away, but the other girl that hadn't been warned what do you think she did? She kept looking as she didn't know any better. And so it just really shows that children, many children um, will do what you ask them to do if you give them instructions. So um, as far as like being uh, in fear, I've been thinking about this and I understand fear. You know, I have fears and sometimes they stop me in my tracks. 
and I don't want to even look at it. Um, I have this fear of numbers. <laughs> I'm much more, you know, I like words. We, we have the same fear, friend. Numbers, <laughs> whether it's the bank account or whether it's the, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to know it. So I've, mm -hmm. I have to always pray to overcome that kind of fear. But um, so this is what I've been thinking is that sometimes when we come at our fear and pour on a good dose of gratitude, it kind of neutralizes it a bit. Think about this. We are living in a day and age that, yes, we have a lot of challenges. However, today, there are many more resources to help parents with this problem. We have free guides on protectyoungminds.org. There's a quick start guide, so it quickly gets you up to speed on, on information about what's happening out there, pornography. Um, We've got the smart plan guide. If your child has already seen pornography or if you wanna be prepared for that eventuality, um, how do you help your child who's been exposed or maybe even sought it out? We have a guide for that. Um, the, the books make it so easy to just start the conversation and get in there and, and get it done, at least that initial conversation. So if you come at it with a feeling of gratitude, like, okay, you know, I have these resources. There are podcasts like yours. There are, um, people are beginning to talk about it. Parents are beginning to tackle this. And so you have help. And I think once you look at it that way and start feeling the gratitude, you can calm down and make a plan for what you're going to do and how you're going to tackle this. And um, I hope that our books will be a part of that plan. However, um, each family, you know, gets to decide what to do on their on their own on on this. But again, come at it with gratitude, and I think you'll feel a lot better because in the end, you have two choices. One is the cross your fingers plan, and that is, I hope my child never sees pornography until the day after I decide to talk to him about it. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, that's kind of an iffy, iffy plan. And it's not a plan where you're taking power, right? You're giving power to chance and to circumstances. So the second plan is the Protect Young Minds plan, which is the proactive plan, which basically says, I'm going to arm my children, um, hopefully before they're exposed, I'm going to give them the tools, I'm going to teach them that I'm their ally, that I will help them, I'm a safe place, and um, they will know what to do when they're faced with the situation. I talked with a teacher who was teaching high schoolers, and she was very determined. It was a, a church school, and she talked to these kids, and they, they were, they said, you know what, we, so many of us have a problem with porn. And nobody warned us. Nobody taught. They were angry. You know, and I get it. You know, we as parents are supposed to be like preparing our kids to succeed and to thrive in the world that they live in today. Not the world that we wish they lived in. You know, not the world that we grew up in. The world that they live in today. And we can only do that if we're aware of the problems, and also if we're willing to, to have the courage to speak up. And you know what? I know your listeners are prayerful people, and I would just say, you can pray.
for courage and you can pray for help. And once you take the first step though, it gets easier. Once you have that first conversation, it gets easier. I promise that. You know, one more thing that I wanted to talk about just briefly is that children, when you warn them about pornography, they are also safer from sexual abuse because pornography is used to groom children for sexual abuse. So that if, if someone's showing them pornography to bring down their inhibitions um, and then they come and tell you, that's a real red flag and you are going to be able to protect them from that person. Um, also, children, when they get into this, children imitate what they see adults do. So again, children that are that know not to view pornography are going to be safer, not only from, you know, um, becoming sexually, you know, interested and curious themselves and, and acting out, but also safer from, you know, being sexually abused by others. So sooner is safer and we, we want to keep our kids safe from sexual abuse and I truly believe there's a huge link between pornography and child sexual abuse and we empower our children to keep themselves safe when we teach them um, to reject pornography. And I think there's definite scientific evidence for that, Kristen, what you just said and absolutely I appreciate you saying that. Um, before we close today, I'm just wondering if there is any any particular bit of encouragement you'd like to leave our listeners with or those who might later pick up your book, um, what would you like to say to that mom as a last word of encouragement? Well, you can do it. That's what, I, that's what I'd say. This may feel hard and huge, but once you take the first step, it gets easier and more doable. And I would say that I have heard so many success stories of parents who have warned their children and the child has done exactly what they asked them to do. And so it's, that's a success. Children that are not warned and that are caught off guard are more vulnerable. So in order to protect your children, just start taking the next step. Take a step, download our guide from Protect Young Minds um, the quick start guide. Even if you just do that one thing, um, you'll be starting. And of course, the books will be helpful as well. You can do it. Um, you, you love your children and your children will respond. At least it gives them a chance, right? Because if, if they don't know anything and they see stuff, uh, it's, it's very difficult for them. They don't have the you know, the brain power as much as an adult does. And that's why they need us to help them, to help them and go hand in hand down this road and be a guide and be a mentor. And I just have faith in the moms out there that they, you know, you, being a parent is hard and you've already done a lot of hard things. You have, you have been up all night with a sick child. They've thrown up on you. They've, you know, you have done many hard things. And this is just one more. Don't let yourself make this a bigger thing than it is, right? Don't let it, 
don't let yourself see it as a huge thing that you can't do. You can do it. And as you get started, you're going to see that you have the power and you can, you can um, prepare your children and teach them exactly what to do when they're faced with this kind of material and content. And uh, your children can go on and make this world a better place. You can do it, mamas, and you need to do it. Thank you so much, Kristen, for joining us, for chatting with us today, and for mostly being brave enough just to tackle this topic that most of us are just tempted to avoid. Before we close, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and more about your books? So you can go to protectyoungminds.org. And like I said, we have lots of free guides. You can sign up. We have a blog post that comes out quite regularly with all kinds of tips and tools. We have therapists that write for us. We have um, people that write in and give us topics. We, we cover a wide range of, of topics that are helpful to parents in this, you know, parenting in the digital age. And also you can go to Amazon. Um, we have a books page on protectyoungminds.org where you can find out more and there's book trailers you can watch or you can go on Amazon and um, find them there. Well, I remember having an online discussion with some other writer friends of mine way back in 2015 and, and a few of them were believers, but most of them were not. And we were discussing this soft porn graphic novel. It was entitled This One Summer. And it had garnered that year the Caldecott Award for illustration, as well as the Michael L. Prince honor. Um, and again, this was a graphic novel that honestly was just soft porn. And as a Christian, my part of the conversation was steered by Philippians 4.8. And and with that, I knew that this book was anything but true and honorable, just, pure, lovely, all the things that I, wanna, I want to um, bring to my home. And I also knew that there would be some definite spiritual fallout from a book like this. Um, in that conversation, I alluded to that, to all of these women, as well as the fact that I thought porn was addicting and, and was really destructive um, behavior, similar to the same addiction and destructive behavior as, let's say, substance abuse. And, and one woman in particular was very demonstrative in her disagreement and thought that I was just being overprotective and sheltering, and she even used the word prudish. And at the time, back in 2015, I didn't really have the cold, hard facts to back up what I just knew in my heart to be true because God's word was pointing me in that direction. But now four years later, the evidence is concrete and undeniable. It's just taken science that many years to learn and affirm what God already put down in his word ages and ages ago. Porn is destructive. And, and like Kristen was saying, mamas, we have the responsibility, but also the privilege to steer our kids in the right direction. We can't hide from it. We can't just stick our heads in the sand and deny that it's there. 
but we can take courage, especially with the help of these great tools, and we can do it.